Hey, this is Chuck, and you are listening to Fans with Bands, the podcast where we talk to the fans and the bands they dig about life, music, and whatever the hell else we want to talk about. Today on Fans with Bands, we're talking to Barker and Broski. Check it out. There you go. Hey, this is Chuck with Fans with Bands, and I'm talking to Mike Schneider Barker and Chris Broski of Barker and Broski. How are you guys doing? All right. It's doing awesome great, to be man. here. Good Excellent. to see you. Doing great. Fantastic. Another day above, another day above grounds gift. <laughs> hey, I'm in a basement. Yeah. What does that say? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that could be a problem, Chris. <laughs> yeah, well, like, you know, my home office is in the basement and spend and and music studio. Oh, and, well, there you and, go. And other assorted things. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm a bit below ground. Um, <laughs> Oh, okay. I retract that statement. And uh, you know, coming coming from you know somebody who's read about cozy hobbit holes. Oh yeah, you know, there it's you not go. so bad. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, Mike, I want to thank you so much for reaching out to me. Uh, you sent me an email saying you would uh, checked out the podcast and you're interested in having you guys on. And I was like, all right, this sounds cool. I went and checked out the music. I I, I think it's great. And I was really intrigued with your podcast. Um, it's called Making It Small in Music, which I love because I feel like I'm making it small in podcasting. Um, right. I had made it small in music too. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's great. I love, uh, I love the format of it. I love the fact that you guys are reaching out. I, I really like that you experimented on yourselves first, right? Because it, it, <laughs> yeah. one, it introduces you um, to, your, uh, to your listeners. And then two, you know, you got to kind of polish your skills as far as doing interviews and stuff. But you guys like ran like champs. The first one was Dave Roof, I think. Yeah, yep. um, that was a great one. Yeah, that was it was fantastic because I, I, I mean, I, I, I know Dave, um, but I don't know Dave. Like I know who he is. I've seen him. I've uh, said hello to him. He gets around. Yeah, yeah. he does so yeah. much stuff mu musically recording and, and session playing and whatever in the area. Yeah, because I, I think the first time I saw him was maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe five or six years ago. Um, they used to do this Nash Bash thing at Carytown. Right, right. Um, they still do, I think. They, they, well, I haven't seen it in a while, but it's, you know, COVID kind of screwed everything up. Yeah. Um, but I think I saw him there. I think he played bass uh, for the Whiskey Charmers. Um, and then mm -hmm. I think that was the time I first got introduced to um, Judy Banker. And yep. he... Uh, plays in her band and i think he's in, i don't know like 50 other bands and he's, <laughs> he's doing some other things but he he can he can play all the instruments and you know he'll yeah. sit in and Absolutely. we no, of can't afford I'd, him though <laughs> yeah um i've known the guy since he was probably about 18 oh really um, awesome awesome yeah. well i know you guys kind of get into the your backgrounds uh in the first couple episodes of your podcast but for folks that um, may have not checked it out. They should go check it out and go check out your music as well because it's really fun. And Thanks. I have some questions about that. Um, oh, the oh first... there are questions oh, about yeah. our music. <laughs> we have questions about our music. <laughs> like, what were we thinking? <laughs> but the first one is, and I, I don't know if you got into it too much, is how did you guys get together? How did um, Broski and, or Barker and Broski become the duo that you are now? Oh, it's such yeah. a long history. Yeah, Chris, you want to take this one? Oh my gosh, I think we should do it in segments because, I mean, originally I met Mike in college mm -hmm. and uh, through the little radio station there. Right. And right. Um, 
and then we just kept uh you know mike was playing drums and we had some mutual friends and we played in a band in college on and off and um it was a good time yeah yeah and then a few years later we got back together and we're in another band <laughs> and yep. then um decades after that i mean how many bands do you think we've been in i like, you know the, the with the same bass player um probably three <laughs> yeah um but you know they're all interchangeable really but you know <laughs> different I, names you know you name a band it's a new it's a new band even though it's the same players i think <laughs> you know and then i knew chris was really into playing the classical guitar and and had had you know, written some really cool classical pieces. And I, I put together, I, um, I booked music for this festival out here in Tecumseh called the Apple Lumpkin Fest Festival. And for the first one that I did, um, I invited Chris to come out and play. Cool. And then, uh, then the next year. That was year the I first one? Him. That was the first one. Wow. wow. Could have been the second. I don't know. It was, uh, <laughs> yeah. It was back in what 2016 or something something like that and then wow. and then the next year we we played as a duo and then then things just kind of yeah you know went from there sort nice. of a natural progression you know mike is such a good lyricist i always enjoy his lyrics and i'm not much of a lyricist but i like writing music and i think it was he kind of dumped this big pile of lyrics on me and i i, I picked out what sounded interesting and um <laughs> <laughs> we uh and then yeah it kind of came from there and uh yeah we we've been doing this we have three albums now yeah three singles four right. singles uh, we've been doing christmas, christmas songs yeah yeah the christmas song was the most recent one i saw yeah uh, yeah, yeah we we start well you know mike booked us this gig at um what's it called south lion rocking for stockings Oh, yes. cool. And uh, he says, you know, they like it if, if you could, you know, at least play some Christmas music. <laughs> so we kind of were like, all right, well, we'll throw something together. And, you know, we went back and forth and kind of came up with this, uh, the dollar dollar store Christmas. <laughs> and it it was too, it was better than our other music. So now, <laughs> if, you know, you need to lean into your game. strengths. So, yeah, we've been doing a Christmas song every year. <laughs> and uh it's fun and then this last year we i decided to up our christmas game and uh we did a christmas show where we invited a lot of other musicians on and everybody played like five songs and nice we we did our best to put up lights and, and things <laughs> like that and it was a great time it was a really nice time yeah um, so you know, i don't know one of the things I really like to do is is put together musicians and just kind of hang out. I've been doing yeah. a, I've been doing a songwriters in the round for a little over a year now, just inviting a variety of the acoustic songwriters from the general region. And you know, um, I've I've been writing lyrics for forty years, maybe plus. Um, but and I've been a drummer all the while, so I, I really can't couldn't write my own melody. So I'd rely on folks like Chris, but. I I write too many lyrics, and so I, I decided I would learn how to play guitar so I could write my own melodies because 
Well, Chris, what I what have I written? 30, 40 since I in the I past can't couple keep years? up. I mean, I'm very <laughs> meticulous. I'm like the op- I like writing music, but to me, it'll it takes me months. You know, I like I rewrite it and rewrite it and rewrite it. Yeah, and um, it can be a bit. And he's blown by me. He's written several al- albums of lyrics by the time I finish one song. <laughs> yeah, I've got uh, I've got three solo ish records. Dave Roof plays all the. Uh, the melody instruments on on my three records that are outside of Barker and Brosky, and I have more lyrics coming. <laughs> That's awesome. You well, know what's interesting? I was thinking about too is that when when we first started playing, like when Mike just booked me at the Apple Umpkin Festival, uh-huh. and I was playing a big steel string, you know, and just kind of doing the acoustic things, singing right. covers and and strumming, and then <clears throat> Mike's like, "Well, let's have a duo." But at that point, we weren't even sure what we were playing, and it kind of right. evolved. Is and that to me, I'm like, if I could be, if I could play any instrument in a band, you know, what would it be? And it'd be nylon string because that's that's what I play at home for for pleasure, you yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> and that was a real struggle trying to get, um, you know, how trying to get it amplified. Yeah, and uh. I went through several guitars and, and and many failures, and eventually I have I have the perfect guitar for it. And then Mike, you know, he's a drummer, and we're playing an acoustic duo. So what do you do? Do you have a cocktail kit? He played a cajon. Right. I'm like I don't know if these things are working. And he's like, Well, I have this Zen drum. And have you seen him play this thing? No, no. What what is a Zen drum? Um, well, a Zen drum is a um, it's a MIDI trigger device. Okay. That hooks up to an Alesis um, drum uh, module thing. Yeah. Yep. All the sounds, and and it's got twenty four pads on it, and so I can program twenty four different sounds per channel, up to sixteen channels. Wow. And and you know I've got a variety of really cool sounds, but I play mostly traditional stuff because um, drum bass hi-hat there you go yeah, <laughs> yeah drum much, kick. Because, because that kind of fits what we're doing periodically i'll use you know like hand percussion sorts of um sounds on the yeah. zendrome but it's just it allows me to stand up and and also be uh be a front be a man, front man. Well. not, not nice. back of the drums of, i got tired you know, of looking at at the bandmates backsides <laughs> like well i was toning up for nothing then he, you know mike if i had a zen drum i would program them all to be a cowbell and then that way or cowbell yeah exactly well, you, know, you could hit anywhere and it'd sound good but, but you know yeah. what you so, can even change change the timbre of of the sound and you can have higher sounding cowbells and lower sounding cowbells. Oh, the wow. cowbell symphony now, can you do orchestra? Can you do that thing where? So I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that those pads are like touch sensitive, so that the amount of pressure yeah. you put on is is impacting. Can you do that? Because I've seen some drummers like, and I'm not even sure. I think it's a box drum, um, where they'll take their either their elbow or their knee and rub the side of it and get kind of a wah sound out of the drum, which almost like a wah. Can you do anything like that? Is that one of those talking <laughs> drums? Is that what they call them? I don't, I don't think a Zendrum can do that. Or, and if it can, I, I haven't figured out how. But it is touch, it is touch sensitive, and it, it, I can play um, harder or softer, you know, depending on the amount of pressure I place on the, on the 
pads. Awesome. That's very cool. Yeah, it's really expressive. And and the thing is too is that as a duo, you know, the 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 Zen drum sounds like a good electronic kit and um I'm playing classical. So what I'm trying to do is play bass and rhythm at the same time. And some of our songs, I many times somebody will come in from the other side where we're playing and be like, "Where's the bassist?" And yeah. we can we can kind of sound like we're an actual three-piece band. Uh, well, that was if everything goes well. <laughs> that was a question I had because you know listening to your music, there's it's got the full ensemble. You got a bass drum, you got um, you know electric and acoustic guitars, and I was curious as a duo how you were trying to pull that off you know to get that bass player in there um because i was like uh, how does that work you know are they using some kind of like pre-recorded tracks or what but it sounds like you're improvising it around that to, to well you listen to the studio got. recordings um we've got yeah. some live some live stuff on on youtube we've got a lot of live performances on youtube Oh, I'll have to go check that out then. Yeah, because that yeah, subscribe. I, I was curious. Um, <laughs> like and subscribe. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, and and the thing is, is I I do have a bit of a habit of overdoing it. We get to the studio and Dave Roof's there, and you could do anything, and I'm like, let's do everything. And, yeah, uh, it, it it could be a little. Sometimes it's hard to rein myself in. But all of our songs, I mean, we write and and practice them as a duo. Okay, and then kind of go into the studio and say, "All right, now what what can we do just to bump it up a little?" Mm-hmm. But yeah. there's no song that we play that we've recorded that we can't play live and sounds pretty darn close. Yeah, you know, right. without without the string section and whatever, you know. Right, right. No, and I, and I do play I do play a, the full drum kit on uh, on on those studio recordings. Okay. I, I figured it was a, a full drum because it doesn't sound. Um, yeah. I mean, sometimes I mean it can be hard to tell. Yeah. Sometimes you know with a good, um, you know, uh, DAW that has great drum. You know, you can um, model all that stuff and it sounds real. But there's yeah, a little, and even a acoustic aspect drums. to a real drum that you that you can't necessarily model and it's you know I've, I've seen people like quantize acoustic drums and things like that and then go in and layer sound so even even real drums are kind yeah. of fake you know where's the line anymore right <clears throat> right but i do i do enjoy you know getting to, to get fancy in the studio and and it does kind of make it a fun challenge of all right how are we going to pull this off live yeah and um i i think it's neat i i like being in this ensemble where it is the instruments were playing, you know, good luck finding another band who's playing that. The least <laughs> right. we could say is we are unique. And, and it really, I think it gives us creative and, and uh, opportunities to really explore in areas that, that haven't been explored. Yeah. I love true. it. Yeah, well, me too. And uh, also it's easier to coordinate practices. Oh, yeah. Yeah, only two people. Yeah. <laughs> Scheduling becomes much easier. <laughs> yes. Now, only if we didn't live, uh, you know, a hundred miles apart. Yeah. But, um, yeah that makes I don't know if tough. it's, I don't think it's that far, but it no. is a drive. Yeah, I can assure you. Yeah. It's probably what, hour maybe? Uh, yeah. Close. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, we, well, we, our plan is that um, we get together every two weeks. One time Chris comes to my place. One time I come to his place. So we're only making the trip once a month. Yeah. But it hasn't been working out like that since COVID. Oh, yeah. Well, hopefully. I mean, 
things are yeah. gradually getting better. Um, and so, if I can get my lazy butt off the couch. <laughs> yeah, that's the hard well, that's part. That's another thing, too. <laughs> uh, I got to leave the house and drive. Yeah, oh, damn it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we've, we've tried doing, like, practices online, and I know there's tools out there, but I, I have not been able to get them to work. The latency. Yeah. You know, it connection has to be fast enough so that you're playing on the, on the same beats. Right. Yeah. That I don't. Well, I've never tried it, but I can't imagine that it's uh, necessarily seamless. Um, you know, allegedly you could get it to work, but not for me. You know, out here in Podunk, nowhere though, the squirrels aren't working fast enough on the wheels <laughs> to get it to run. That's yes, right. as as we've already experienced tonight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So speaking Maybe. of your of your music, uh, I I need to understand the story behind Billy Bob because. Uh, you know, that the first, I think it's your first three yep. albums, um, you know, there is, is about Billy, well, Billy Bob, yeah. kind of his story and then some other music, uh, He's then you've got Billy character. Bob Sr. And then you've got Billy Bob's band or, you know, your interpretation right. of Billy Bob's band playing music <laughs> on the, on the latest one, the, uh, Cold Country Cold Heartbreakers. Country. Yeah. You know, it, it, it kind of all goes back to when we were writing songs um, out of college and Mike would write these songs with all these characters. Yeah. Like, yeah. who did you have back then? Back then it was Fat Zack and the Bald Man. <laughs> so there was two. Yeah. <laughs> and and yeah, yeah, and then Mike would write, you wrote multiple songs with these guys. I did, yeah. There was uh, Stompin' with Z and Continuing Adventures of Zack and... and O.D. Ballad of Otis Dunkley. Ballad, yep. um, uh, Zach's Lament. Yep. yep. <laughs> you know, there's, so it, it's like we've written songs for characters before, and then Mike gave me these lyrics that had Zach in them. You know, like, like in the old days, but he invented this new character named Billy Bob. And Zach was always kind of a delinquent. You know, he was yeah. a guy who was always getting in trouble and making terrible decisions. Yeah. And he gave me these lyrics about him and his friend Billy Bob was kind of a gullible <laughs> kind yes. of person yes. who kind of Zach would get him in trouble. And um, <laughs> and and then we wrote a song about that. And I, I guess I really just liked, um, you know, how did they get here? What are they going to do next? And right. I. I ended up writing a sequel. So that song was, it was, uh, what was that song? You're uh, an Accomplice. Laying low. laying low? No. No, the first song was You're an Accomplice. Yes. Yep. And then, um, and then I'm like. You, you wrote Laying Low next. No, I did not. <laughs> that, <laughs> it's, they're, they're, it's out of chronological order. So I remember we did that and then you had written don't make our love like a drive-by shooting but i wrote that like 30 years ago it was but then <laughs> i looked at it and i realized well the song was sang in the first person as a character not as us yeah and i thought you know what this character could be billy bob it like fit <laughs> and yep. then i wrote a song called please break my heart which was oh, okay which was kind of the, then the next song in that story. And then we had a little something. I went back, we went back and wrote uh, some filler, um, laying low and, um, uh, busted oh. five, ten. Yeah, and, um, and then it became just a, like a little, a little story. And now we're <laughs> kind of stuck with it. 
<laughs> so we wrote that, and then the the next album we wrote is a prequel. What happened before that? Kind of like and the then, Star Wars. Right. Oh, right. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, our third album, I've got to wrap it up, which is why I'm procrastinating so much. I want to do a Christmas album next because, uh, <laughs> you know, you don't want to end up like a like a Game of Thrones and and blow the ending. You know, oh, I want right, to stick the right. ending on this. That could make <laughs> that could make all the difference. But then, yeah, so that's in many ways, Billy Bob is like where all so much of our music grew out of because yeah, yeah it's two halves of the first album the third album was yeah as part of the story he gets in a band and we were thinking well um he the idea is he had this big hit but he didn't want to be famous so he wanted to write really silly dumb songs that nobody would like but actually everybody did like them and that was when we had that idea, suddenly just Mike just started writing it. Oh my God. I love the stuff. It was so huge. I think not enough bands are humorous, probably because nobody wants them to be. Right. There's probably a good reason. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, that's what I liked about um, the, that whole story. And then and the last album too, because it's fun, right? There's just, Thank it's, you. It, it's just having fun. Um, making good music, but just being lighthearted with the whole thing and not taking it super seriously. Although, I mean, you know, the music, I think serious, you, you, you guys obviously put serious work into it, but yes. the, the, the themes of the music just, you know, more like have fun. Yeah. It's, it's great. Well, I know everybody, you know, you get in a band cause you want to look cool <laughs> and you know, I like kind of. Yeah, and there's no hope for us. So we got to take it in a different direction. And and music, when somebody's trying to look cool, I mean, it gets old fast. Yeah. Everybody looks cool in the same way. So, yeah. yeah we I, gave tried... my, I gave up my leather pants, you know, 30 years ago. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> oh, awesome. So uh, one of the things I'd like to uh, go talk about as far as um, backstory is related to your um, your interest in music and was there a particular person in your life um, that was very influential for you to to want to play music um, let's start with Mike well and that could I be like up, a professional person it could be somebody in your life you know it could be anybody I, I grew up around music um, and I wasn't allowed to play music because uh, let's just refer to him as my donor uh, he was a drummer and you know, a cheater in bar bands kind of thing. Uh -huh. And and I just fell in love with the drums, you know, growing up in a house with, with a drum set. And my mother didn't want me to play. And so when I went to college, my, my sophomore year, I, I used some of my college loan money to buy my first drum set. Awesome. Because um, I just, you know, I, I had a hankering. I, I, I had a feeling that I just needed to express and also i'm nothing like um what i refer to as my donor <laughs> well there you go <laughs> yeah you know i and and the thing is i i did i had a, a musical family as well my grandfather was a professional musician um, oh wow cool well before <laughs> when he was younger before world war ii he was a professional <laughs> musician I just looked him up in the census, like the censuses came out and I'm like, oh, let's see if, if you yeah. know, my grandparents are in there and it under in the census under what he does for an occupation, it said musician. Wow, that's cool. 
And that is uh, cool. But then he went uh, into World War II. He was in the Pacific, and after that, he just got a regular job. Right. Um, but he always played music. He was still in bands, um, but just part-time. And then my father played guitar, and this is something that we could do together. So, And my mother, um, she was more, she liked uh, stayed, uh, theater you know, uh-huh. and that kind of singing and whatever. So I, those are two sort of the theater and the, and the, the rock and roll on the other side. And uh, so it was nice. They they weren't that encouraging when I was really into Black Sabbath, though. Um, <laughs> it was not it was not my mom's dream come true. I, I can assure you. <laughs> oh um, man, that's a bummer. My I mom... can't say they were supportive, but they were at least tolerant. And for a teenage <laughs> musician, I think that's pretty good. You know, yeah. my mom asked me to please stop playing Working Man from Rush. Oh, I'll never. <laughs> I will never stop playing Working Man. So, like, could, do, do you know any other song? Because I was, I, I think, the very first tune I tried to learn. It's like and, a 10 minute song, too. <laughs> well, yeah, well, you know, the chords are pretty easy, right? That, yeah. you know, it's, it's just don't try to get into the whole bass. The Alex's thing. solo, too. Yeah, or Alex's oh, solo. Yeah. So good. Um, and the drums were a lot easier on that one because it wasn't Neil Peart. It was Phil Rutz. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm a huge Rush fan. Now I'm going to geek out. <laughs> yeah, I, oh. I have this idea. I want to I wanna put together a Rush tribute act called One Octave Down. And we're going to play everything exactly the same except for one, one difference. And maybe you can guess what that is. <laughs> um, oh, my God. That'd be otherwise, crazy. I will not be able to sing it. Well, I was going to say that'll help definitely with the singing, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, singing a uh, bass Getty, right? Um, <laughs> awesome. So, um, you know, you guys had the podcast. Um, what was was uh, what was the inspiration? I think it was because the same for me. It was the pandemic and like, what the hell else am I going to do? Um, well, I'm curious how that started. You it know, was inspiration. Yeah, here's the thing. Um, you know, and Mike told me this. This is called Fans with Bands. And I'm like, Mike, we don't have any fans that aren't musicians. <laughs> and, and and this is something like Mike had already, we promote ourselves so much through mm-hmm. other musicians and through community. You know, Mike was yeah. booking people. He does these songwriters in the round. I started an online open mic. And and this is where we were, you know, and and not only were we actually able to play to people now, even though they were other musicians and, and right. great people, but the community, the musician community is just so wonderful. So it's like, Absolutely. yeah, let's lean into that. Let's get these people on a podcast. And we had, we have so many people we want to talk to. I don't have time um, <laughs> to talk to them all, but we'll, you know, slow and steady wins the race. Right. And, exactly. Well, and there's and, so many, um, because there are other, um, you know, uh, um, small podcasts like yeah. like mine, like yours, um, but they're all like, um, well, I shouldn't say they're all. There's many that are into yeah. music. You know, there's um, there's one in Detroit. Those guys crank out. They do like live sets, um, and I'm blanking on the name of their podcast, but it's awesome. Um, it's more of like a YouTube thing, but. Um, I think okay. they they distributed oh. it on the podcast services, but I should check that out. Chris, I, is that the one that we that we went to in uh, Berkeley or some Ferndale? Yeah, I can't remember the yeah. name of it. I'm blanking out. Um, I should have been. Where prepared. was it? It was Royal Oak. It was in Royal Oak, and it's something about live. 
or something. We did that. Yeah. <laughs> I've forgotten what it was called. Yeah. Yeah. No, their production, really high quality. They have yeah. super nice studio. Um, but, but I think it's yeah. great that you guys are doing that. Um, you know, getting in, getting, highlighting that community that you're a part of, right? Yeah. Of well, all we those love great them. people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we absolutely, you know, so many of these, these musicians out there, I deserve to be heard. And, <laughs> um, and yeah, it, it, when I go back and I listen to the, the radio, I'm like, this stuff isn't that great. <laughs> the yeah. people I know are just as good as this. Oh, for sure. I mean, uh, anytime I like mainstream, I, there's some mainstream acts that I, I, I totally love. Right. Yes. Uh, yeah. And uh, I have nothing but respect and happy they're making millions of dollars and doing great things. Um, but I totally agree with you in that there are when somebody tells me and I've heard this many times, like, Oh, there's no good shows to go to, or I don't really, you know, and I'm like, what? I mean, right. there's like exactly. too many shows. And that's why, I mean, <laughs> there's too many bands here that you could listen to. One of the other things that I'm working on poorly, I mean, <laughs> so many projects partially done. <laughs> um, I, th this is, this is something that's really an area uh, that I believe in. And I what I noticed was I'm a web developer and you know I've developed all of my own band's website since since forever uh -huh. and I have this collection of of things that sites need and ways to edit and I'll do this stuff and I'm like I should I should develop this and give it away to my friends to help promote their gigs oh yeah and and it's it's you know it's never done I have one person candy um is uh she's my guinea pig and uh she she agreed to help me with it and you know she started it up and she uses it and gives me feedback and things like that and i really would like to start expanding it out but uh i i'm worried that once i get too many people on it then then it's gonna be a, everybody's gonna hate it and and i'm gonna spend all my time fixing bugs so this is how you self-sabotage um if <laughs> anybody out there wants a few techniques <laughs> but but it's really cool and this is something i believe in too in is in that so many out there now with what you have to be on facebook or are yeah. these other all this social media but does it that's good for the the sites but is it really the best way to promote yourself as a musician and of course not that's not their main thing yeah and i'm creating yeah i i it's called yourlocal.band. You could actually go there and see some stub pages talking about it. And um, I think it's uh, Candy Frederick at your Candace local? Fre Candace Frederick. Okay. All right. I'll go check well, it out. No, at, at the, the URL is what I'm saying. Oh. Um, uh, well, I'll figure it out later. But yeah, everything is like your band's name dot your local dot band. And then you have your site there and you could put your gigs and your songs and all sorts of pictures and things like that. So that that's another thing I'm working on. And again, it, it is leaning into we're we kind of promote ourselves through the musical community. Yeah, uh, we don't have any real fans, which is <laughs> it, it hurts a little. <laughs> would be well, nice I'm, to, I'm sure you fan. do i'm sure it's you do fan. yeah 
I'm, just, I'm, just one fan is not a musician friend or, or family member. Yes, exactly. It's like <laughs> I appreciate the family members and friends and other musicians, but my dream is to have a real fan one day. And <laughs> we've come close. Um, yeah. In our Christmas extravaganza, you know, there, there was a couple there that was just there to come have some kombucha, and they loved it. Awesome. You know? Awesome. And, and, That's uh, what it's all know, about, really. <laughs> I showered them with merch, you know. I'm not, it's not beneath me to uh, bribe people to be our fans out of guilt. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, uh, you guys doing what you're doing um, is part of what I've been thinking is that there's, it's, it's really hard, like you mentioned, Chris, that it's really hard for bands like to be, to do their music, do, do their shows, book their own shows, do, you know, it's manage their bands and then also have to worry about social media and like, Oh, I got to right. put this out here. I got to put this out here, this here, this here, blah, blah, blah. That I think it's, if you have that community and that community is very engaged with sharing that information, then you can kind of bust the algorithm, so to speak, to, to get, you know, if Facebook's shutting your band page down yep, and you've got five of your friends going, Hey, so-and-so is playing here. That's going to help kind of get around that's the idea no exactly i mean and whenever i talk about this you know and i can really geek out on about i, I don't want to do it right now because <laughs> it can get a little tedious but people are like yeah hey when can i have one and i'm like oh not yet yeah it's not ready yet <laughs> but um and it is and sure you know a big part of it is linking to your social media you right. know you want to be like hey what what are you pushing right now is it TikTok or yeah facebook or youtube and, and it's all up there and and it's a way to help drive uh drive subscriptions and things like that but the idea is you don't you don't know when these things are going to go away when's youtube right. going to become myspace and and this is <laughs> right. this is your own you know your own site that you have complete control over and is sort of the central hub and it doesn't have to do everything because you have all this other social media, you know, yeah. it just really needs to be a solid, a good, solid central site. And yeah, people are interested if, if I could uh, um, finish it, but That's I have right. 10 other projects I'm, I need to finish <laughs> first. So. Get a car about that time. A good promotional device, since I'm just barely above a Luddite in terms of computer, um, barely above. Um, is you know when my friends on Facebook uh, announce a gig, I'll 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 share it, I'll forward it, I'll, yeah. I'll support them. You know that, and and they sometimes support us too if they think about it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the hardest thing for me. Um, is yeah. in my head I have this idealized thing that you know I could actually make a schedule of all these bands I know and all these people, and try to like be. And, and it is actually a goal of mine to try to be, get better at that, to try to, yeah. to be like, you know, make sure I carve out some part of my day to, um, to promote all of the rest of the stuff. Cause it is right now it's kind of one off, you know, like I think exactly. oh, so-and-so has got a show, boom, you know, either I'm going to try to get to it myself or, um, you know, say, Hey, you know, this is coming up if you're in this area, but. And that's where I'd like to go with it with the, cause I mean, I'm giving individual band sites, but now you can aggregate. You yeah. Could, you could go there and you could say, Oh, I like this band. And then it'll pull all their gigs together into one massive calendar. And, and you could see, Oh, well, who do they like? And, and, and see, yeah. now I'm getting, I can't even finish the basic one and I'm already <laughs> over designing these things, but there does seem to be a need. And, and I, and there's definitely, I think a lot of good that can come out of it, but 
I need I need about a year in my basement coding <laughs> to, to get it go. to where it needs to be. But. Man, if I, if I had more time, I'd have more time. <laughs> right. So it's not really about bulk time. Like you know, I have twenty four hours a day to spend how I wish. It's just I <laughs> yeah. gotta sleep, and it's it's yeah. like what do they call it? Emotional energy. Yeah. You know. Right. But then there's also, you know, pay, paying the mortgage and all that other good stuff. Right. The things that we have to do to make sure that we can survive. Yeah, that takes a lot of emotional energy. That does. It <laughs> then does. after that, I'm exhausted. <laughs> you know, I, and I, I'm fortunate. I don't feel like I work at all. Um, oh, that's awesome. I love I don't, what I do. I don't work anymore. I, I'm retired, so. Oh, so oh, jealous. I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a mental health therapist. And oh, awesome. I, I just talk to people all day. Well, I didn't feel like. Well, you know that's fantastic. I, and uh, I think uh, isn't Judy Banker also? Uh, yep, Judy Banker is. Yep. Wait, yep. who who did we talk to? I need to put that podcast up. It was Lyndon um, Sober. Lyndon Sober. Very nice. Yep. Very nice. And, yeah, uh, I'm doing that this weekend. I'm posting the <laughs> Lyndon Thoburn, I swear. I was so fried. The the Christmas extravaganza took a lot out of me. So I'm just <laughs> I'm just getting back into the swing of things. Well, and you we're know thinking what? about we're thinking about doing Christmas in July at Unity Vibrations too. That'd be kind of fun. That would be. That would be awesome. Yeah. Especially I don't if know if I'm recovering from Christmas in, in December yet. <laughs> <laughs> I might I might need the twelve months. <laughs> Uh, oh yeah, but you know what? And and you asked about the podcast and why we're doing it. Uh, one of the things that I was thinking of is, yes, there's all this social media, and everybody's like, "You gotta get on social media." And I'm like, "Okay, I have a TikTok account. What do I do?" <laughs> and it's about you know creating content. Yeah, it's like okay, just make content. What's content? It could be anything. Like it could be, but <laughs> right. What, what do I choose? You know, what can we make? And then that's when I was like, you know, Mike and I just talking to musicians, that's something we do normally by yeah. choice. We yeah. don't have to go out and do a dance or any of that stuff. And um, I'm like, yeah, this could be really good content. Yeah. yeah. It's been yeah. a lot of fun. Well, and one of the things I like about your podcast is that it's, it's so conversational. I mean, it's, um, you're asking questions, but it's it it does sound like just you know folks sitting down talking about what they are interested in. In this case, it's music, right? Yeah, I stole uh, that from Joe Rogan. I mean, <laughs> he does I a good job of that, and that's why I, probably, I, I don't know if I like him as a person. Yeah, but he really he's figured it out, and yeah. that's why we went for two hours too, because to me it seems like like the first half hour you kind of have to get out of all the standard questions. Yeah. You know, and then you start to become relaxed and, and let the conversation go where you want. And, you know, that's what I noticed, you know, watching Joe with a good guest is it is just having a really great conversation with really interesting people. Yeah. And, and you know, it, could, it, it, it just takes time and, and um, uh, a lot of work. <laughs> and uh, and yeah. I, I enjoy the heck out of it. That's awesome. So a uh, question I have that I, I like to ask folks, it's again, kind of that um, origin story thing. Um, and that's around albums or CDs or, you know, whatever your <laughs> genre is. Um, but what was the very first album you bought with your own money? And let's start with Chris. Do you remember? Oh, geez. An album? 
Well, it, well we or had tape 45s or whatever. back then. Okay. Like <laughs> when I was, you know, 10 years old or whatever, um, I could take, you know, a dollar. I think it was like maybe a dollar ten, dollar twenty-five, and I could go down to Kmart and I could pick up a forty-five. Yeah. And um I mean back then disco was really big. Greece. I remember I bought something from Greece. Nice. And then I I I what I bought an Aerosmith song. Oh and, then, awesome. and even I'm this tiny kid. And I got this Aerosmith 45, and the woman's like, ooh, Aerosmith, huh? <laughs> like, don't shame me. I could like Aerosmith. So, I mean, those are the ones that I remember. I remember, I think, the Grease, the song Grease from yeah. Grease, yeah. which wasn't from the play, I think. I think that was for the movie. And then maybe something, I don't know, maybe something by the Bee Gees. They were so big, and I remember Aerosmith. Awesome. awesome. Oh, I don't remember... It might have been come together. Oh, cool. That's a great song. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Mike, you know, how about you? I, I bought two records at the same time as my first. Um, you know, I, it was, I lived in Detroit, and back then you could go shovel people's snow for, yeah. for money. And so I, I, I had a big bucket of money from shoveling snow. And I, I, I remember going out and buying Robin Williams' Reality What a Concept. And, <laughs> And the Blues Brothers briefcase full of blues. Oh, awesome! Awesome. Yeah. Good one. We, uh, my friend, uh, bought that album. We listened to the hell out of that thing. It was so good. <laughs> well, I, I think that I think that that's kind of an example of my lyric writing comes from <laughs> the Blues the, Brothers. The, the <laughs> well, Blues Brothers, um, Robin Williams, you know, yeah. just wacky. You know, I used to love watching the monkeys when I was a kid. And oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's oh, a little wacky. influence there. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I don't know if you guys have listened to it. Uh, it's a. I've been addicted to this podcast. It's called "A History of Rock and Roll in 500 Songs." Um, and I've the, heard of it. And and this guy, he's he's. I think he's in England somewhere. Um, he talks about a particular song and goes in depth, like anywhere from an hour to hour and a half, two hours about a particular song and that band. And he just did, um, uh, uh, shoot. What is it? Day. Um, uh, the monkey song day, day, daydream day, believer. Daydream believer. Yeah, yeah. 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 He was talking about that and just talking about that band. He actually had this on there twice. Cause he does last train to Clarksville. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, the month, I didn't know half that crap about the monkeys and he just did uh, Otis Redding sitting on the dock of the bay. I had no idea um, like Otis's yeah. story at all, which was fantastic. It's and amazing story. Yeah. It was yeah. so sad that we lost him. I know. I, you know, I, I didn't even realize that he died so young. Yeah. Was, I think it was even before sitting on the dock of the bay was a hit. Yes. It, it, he died right before he'd recorded it and Steve Cropper. I'm like, now uh, we know what we need to do to promote our music. So, <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. I'm not saying we should die. What I'm saying, maybe <laughs> oh. just keep a song in the bank. There you go. And then, and then oh. you put it in your, you got to play it at your funeral Let's and that'll it. be the best promotional opportunity you'll <laughs> yeah. ever have. Let's work on that. <laughs> All right. Yeah, the, yes. <laughs> um, but anyway, I would I highly recommend that podcast because it's just, it's taught me so much about, um, you know, I've never really been like a huge, um, I'm a huge music fan, but not, haven't really delved into the history so much of okay. all rock and roll. 
Um, so it's 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 awesome. Um, and when you were his, talking about the monkeys, I was like, oh yeah, I just remember. Yeah. <laughs> history of rock and roll in five thousand songs is that what it's called? Five hundred. Uh, five hundred. Okay. Yep. yep. Yeah. It's totally. Uh, it he starts from uh, nineteen thirty-eight. Um, Whoa. Goes all the way back to nineteen thirty-eight with the um, kind of a uh, um, jump jive kind of um, yeah. stuff. Uh, there was some particular show in New York that he's he cites as like kind of the beginning of rock music um and then just carries it on through and he's only now um into uh like otis redding so like yeah 60 late 60s. late 60s yeah. Yeah. yeah so anyway when does the history of rock end yeah well he's <laughs> he's only taking it up to uh 2000 that's okay. yeah that's Man. probably a good place to start that, yeah that's when music died yeah <laughs> Kind of got boring. I mean, to me, I thought that the 90s were the last really exciting era of music because, I mean, you, you had such a huge shift from, you know, by the end of the 80s, you had all of this hair metal yeah, and you had some, you know, dance music and whatever. But rock and roll itself was sort of, it was, there, radio was not supporting a lot of small artists. Right. They, 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 right. they couldn't get over that hump. Yeah. And then... Kurt Cobain basically comes out and just breaks that down. And, yeah. and when that happens, you know, all of these great, you know, hard rocking, but very melodic and great songwriting kind of grunge stuff comes yeah. out. And I, I, I thought it was a fan. It's, it's no seventies. I mean, the seventies is an amazing time for rock and roll, but yeah. I think the nineties really had something to say. Yeah. I, I think that there was lots of great music. I mean, whatever your genre of, uh, you know, that you love. Um, it was a little bit of a dark time for, uh, cause I'm like a huge heavy metal fan. Um, yeah. I thought, I thought of it as a little bit of a dark time then in the early nineties. Cause I, yeah, but I metal, really couldn't get into new metal, but <laughs> radio wasn't supporting metal. And no, no, it never, you did. know, it never did. <laughs> so it's, metal's always kind of been a bit underground. And, you know, when I was growing up listening to, Rush and Ozzy and Iron Maiden, they never played Iron Maiden on the radio. Yeah. You know, you just had to listen. You had to choose to listen to it on your own. They That's did right. play Judas Priest. Oh, yeah. They every did. once in a while. Yep. Eh. Yep. Not every once in a while. Um, so speaking of music and kind of the, again, that backstory thing, um, how about first concert you guys went to? First, first concert experience. Mike, how about you? I think it was Foreigner at Pine Knob. Nice. Do you remember like which album they might have been touring for? I think it might have been. Wasn't their second record Double Vision? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that sounds yeah, right. I think that was the tour. Nice. I don't know if Ian McDonald was still with them at the time, but you know, I found out. I, I learned a lot about Ian McDonald later that he was one of the original members of King Crimson. Um, and really? he's a guy that's a star writer and it was, uh, putting really? that together was interesting, but, uh, wow. I, I'm a big King Crimson fan, Yeah, but you know, I, Foreigner would have been my first concert. Awesome. Very cool. Hmm. You know, the first one I went to, you know, it's like you go to things with your parents and whatever <laughs> right? at, at county fairs and stuff like that, but that it's like, that doesn't, I don't count. think those count. <laughs> <laughs> the first time, yeah, I went to a concert by myself with my friends as a teenager was a Deep Purple. 
Nice. And it oh. was in Flint, and it was yeah that they, they had that Flint. DP album or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, in the '80s, that was really strong. Yeah. And oh my god, they blew my mind. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure Foreigner was fine, Mike. I don't wanna no. I don't wanna upstage it too much, but <laughs> Deep Purple, it, they they were a force of nature. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Was that with Ian Gillen fronting them, or was oh it yeah. With, uh... Yeah, he had to be in the band then. And, was that, um, that album was huge for them. It was. Yeah. Was it Knocking at Your Back Door? Yep. That was yep. a big yep. song. They had yep. a huge, couple of huge hits on that in the mid-'80s. and then. But I got to say how, I mean, how lucky I feel that I got to see John Lord just do this yeah. organ solo. And, and he's got this massive organ on stage and he's rocking the whole thing, just playing, <laughs> never missing a note, rocking this organ back and forth. I, it, it just shows how hard you can rock even on like a church instrument. Yeah. You know, it's not about the <laughs> instrument. It, is, so, well, it is about the technique. I didn't know the caveat was, um, you know, without an, without a parent. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that would have oh. been journey. Um, oh, awesome. Nice. And yeah. I think it, that might've been after their second or third record with Steve Perry. Nice. Yeah. Oh, um, that's, that's peak journey right there. That is. My sister loved journey. And the only way she could go by herself is if I went with her. <laughs> <laughs> nice. There you go. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I, uh, what was that? Uh, shoot. Blanking out on names. Um, was it evolution um yeah yeah evolution was was uh i think that one was of a, the first yeah there was like big one where they had you know kind of getting steve perry out there and because yeah. i think greg raleigh had been there well he sang some songs but well uh, greg raleigh had been there since the very be beginning he and uh yeah well him and neil Sean were in yeah. santana weren't they yep yeah yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Well, Neil Schoen jo jo joined Santana at sixteen. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Now, do you know? Do you know with Journey? Uh, my sister was a huge, huge fan. Terribly in love with with uh, Steve Perry, but with with uh, they uh, Journey put out those first three albums without Steve Perry, and they yeah. were awesome. Yeah, they were amazing. But apparently, the uh, in the studio they said, "Well, you'll never get famous with a voice like that," and so. You know, they brought in Steve Perry, and there you go. <laughs> you know, sometimes the producers are spot on. Right. You yeah, know? Right. <laughs> I, I was reading something about, so when, when and our, our open mic, um, sometimes we'll have theme nights, you know, if it starts getting boring. Right. Um, and then we had one for Bruce Springsteen. Oh, right. Oh, my gosh. It was so good. He has such a depth, so many songs. And you're like, oh, my God, I forgot about that one. Yeah. And and as I was researching some to try to learn, I found that um, when he released, who was born in the USA, the producer told him there were no singles on it. He forced <laughs> him to go back into the studio and just like and he just recorded something as poppy as it could and it it ended up being oh now i don't remember but like a huge hit and a great song <laughs> you know it's like you know what sometimes you need an annoying producer there to come right. in and say hey you know what i think mean, this isn't gonna sell <laughs> what oh and yeah i was last night i was reading about the traveling wilburys mm. and apparently oh, yeah. 
Yeah, what was it? Um, George Harrison and Jeff Lynn wrote um, the their big hit, and they just did it, you know, goofing around with the other guys <laughs> in a garage, and they were going to throw it on a B-side, and the, the producers are like, nope, this is not going <laughs> on a B-side. You know, they ended up having to form a band and record an old, a whole album because the producers wanted to make money on this song. They knew how good it was. The end of the line? No, oh. it um to and everybody needs somebody to lean on. Oh yeah, um, I can't think yeah. of the title of it, but yeah. <laughs> it's I'm drawing a blank. It's been a long day. <laughs> um, I've got to get harassed by this cat. That's right. <laughs> He's eating my finger now. <laughs> Did not have any cats before the pandemic. There was oh. another. Zoom and cats. That's what I. <laughs> that's what it. That's what I got. That's what I've got pandemic. from the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> um. So if you guys could um, sit down and have a whatever your favorite beverage is with um, somebody, either alive or dead, um, who who would that be, and what would you like to talk to them about? Let's let's start with Mike. Like or, or like musicians. It could be anybody. It doesn't have to be a musician. Like historical figure? Could be a historical figure. Could be. You know, um, I, I would love to spend a couple hours with Robin Williams. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Well, that'd, be, I mean, that'd be a fun couple of hours. It would I know. Be. You know, he was from the Detroit area. Yeah. Um, hilarious guy. Uh, grew up with him in a way. And uh, even though on the very outside, he was you know, bombastic and, and hilarious. He was a, kind of a pretty sad and depressed guy. And you could see it in his eyes in most of the movies. And I'd love to sit down with him for a while. Yeah. Chit chat. He nice. could play dramatic so well. Oh man. Yeah, well, yeah. Fisher King. Fisher King. Yeah. That's a great movie. And that okay. was, and goofy too. He could It's goofy. Both. Yeah. But it's good. That's a really good one. Yeah. You know, for me, is if if we're going, you know, anybody alive or dead, we'll we'll forget about the language barrier, and I I I would want to talk to Leonardo da Vinci. Nice, and you know, we'll magically I'll learn Italian. Like I've been reading about him lately, and he just seems like okay. He painted very few things. We have like a handful of paintings. It's not because those survived. He he had a day job yeah he was not a professional painter he was an engineer and 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 it's and and a terrible procrastinator as well (laughs) he every so many half finished things and i'm like all right i'm i think i'm starting to relate to this man and um and it was and and i love the idea of how you know what you don't need to make a million paintings i mean maybe if you're picasso but not everybody needs to yeah. you know he just make that one great one you paint the mona lisa poof that's it done i don't need to paint <laughs> nothing else and and just the idea of this great renaissance man did it all with a day job and really picked and choose his art you know he he wasn't prolific um, he was not, he did not work to a deadline. And, and in many ways, it's like, I want to exemplify that, except instead of painting the Mona Lisa, I'm going to write a silly song about Billy Bob. So <laughs> very similar. You there can, you see, you you can go. see the parallels. <laughs> awesome. Maybe the Pope will commission your work. 
Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I, I don't know who who his patrons were at the time. Yeah, I know. he... Uh, you know, yeah. he worked for, for, you know, the local principalities and whatever, yeah. designing war machines with the scythes spinning That's pulled right. by horses and whatever. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, you got to you gotta make a buck. You got to pay your bills. <laughs> That's right. Well, uh, guys, I really appreciate you being on Fans with Bands. It's been awesome talking with you. Um, I've got just one last question, and that is pineapple or no pineapple on pizza? absolutely all right absolutely. <laughs> you know what i'm i'm i could pretty much eat anything that tastes good <laughs> it, it's it's one of those things that i would never i i know and it's a real religious thing isn't it people it is. really fall into one camp or the other so i'm walking the fence on this i'm like <laughs> it's all right either way i would never i don't think i would ever intentionally order it but right. when somebody orders it i'm like oh kick ass pineapple <laughs> It's the perfect flavor. It, it, you know, the sweet and the savory. Yeah, yeah. You, but you've got to be a fan of sweet and savory. So I am not. I mean, uh, it's like a no. It's a no starter. If there's pineapple no. thing, no, 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 no. Um, well, okay. So you hate me now? No, no. I still, I, Mike. I love you. Heretic. Um, but I'll just, uh, you know, I, I respect your choice. And I'm curious. Like, um, everyone has certain combos. When I talk to people that like pineapple, so what is your combination for what you like with the pineapple pineapple and sausage oh nice now i've not heard that, that one unique yeah that wouldn't be too bad i think because people I go think with a, a ham like an italian sausage would actually be pretty good so yeah and ham is too bland i, I like ham yeah but if you want a bland pizza buy one with ham <laughs> if you want to get crazy go with the and you, he, he has opinions on yeah, this, this, these yeah, pizza toppings. Nice. I am just like, I don't, you I could put anything like on a pizza. I mean, anything that's on the menu, you get just like, put your shoe on it or yeah. something. But you know, it's yeah. like, I look at all the toppings and I'd be like, yes, I would eat all of those in differing combinations. But, you know, I vacillate between the sausage and pineapple or sausage and banana peppers. Oh, now, see, I'll, I'm totally with you on the banana peppers, right on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those are like pizza is a way of life. Yeah, it and is. you know, bacon all over everything. Oh yeah, yeah. Bacon's a fruit, so it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, guys, thanks again so much for being on Fans with Bands. I really appreciate it. Thanks, thanks for the opportunity. For it was us. it was a great time. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. All right. It's it's and, nice to be on this side, you know, sometimes. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Well, I'll be looking forward to more podcasts, more music. Um, hopefully I'll catch you guys on a show. I know you guys play in Ann Arbor. Um, mm -hmm. that's where I live, so I'll try to get out there sometime. We're in Ypsilanti Thanks, tomorrow. Right. Oh, tomorrow. What the hell? Oh. <laughs> yeah, the, I to put you on short notice, yeah. <laughs> but um Awesome. All right, guys. We have okay. our list of shows on the website. Cool. All right. I'll, I will stay in touch. All right, awesome. Guys. Take Thanks, care. Chuck. Thanks. Bye. Yep. Bye. Thanks to Chris and Mike for joining me on this episode of Fans of Bands. I had a great time talking with them about their band, Barker and Brosky, and their podcast, Making It Small in Music. These guys are super down to earth and a lot of fun to talk to. Stay tuned to the Barker and Brosky website for the latest on their music and shows. See the show notes for all the details and links. These are tough times for everyone in the creative industries such as music. Your support of live streaming, purchasing music, and merchandise is critical. 
If you can help out your local artists, please do. If you are in the Michigan area, consider following the Playing in the Detroit Area Tonight Facebook page. It is a place for fans and bands to support each other and share our combined love of music. Thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast service to get each and every episode of Fans with Bands. Spread the word by rating the show and leaving a comment. We want to hear what you think. You can keep in touch by following us on social media. This is a Life in Michigan production. Until next time, be well and kick out the jams. <laughs>